Galatians 3, 1 through 11. Let's read God's word together. The title of the message this morning is Sola Fide, or Faith Alone. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law? Or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Listen to these two, verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Romans three, twenty-one. read with me. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, read God's Word with me there. For I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, And also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Let's pray together. Oh, Almighty God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to hear your word this morning. And Lord, as your word is preached, would you please anoint me with power from on high and assist me to proclaim the glorious gospel. Lord, as we look at this subject of sola fide, or faith alone, by faith alone, Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts and cause us to be assured of our salvation in a deeper way. Thank you so much, Jesus, for laying your life down for our sins on the cross. Thank you for being raised for our justification. Strengthen our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, toward the end of his life, Martin Luther wrote a testimony about how he was saved. And he wrote the story down in a passage that probably many of you have heard before, but it's so outstanding. I want to read it for you because it flows out from Romans 1.17. In the passage we just read at the very end there, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. When Luther read these words and studied these words, God did a dramatic work of conversion. And I want to read this glorious tale to you in the introduction to this message. Luther wrote this. I had indeed been captivated with an extraordinary ardor for understanding Paul in the epistle to the Romans. But up till then it was not the cold blood about the heart, but a single word in chapter 1. In it the righteousness of God is revealed that had stood in my way. For I hated that word righteousness of God, which according to the use and custom of all the teachers, I had been taught to understand philosophically regarding the formal or active righteousness, as they call it, with which God is righteous and punishes the unrighteous sinner. Though I lived as a monk without reproach, I felt that I was a sinner before God with an extremely disturbed conscience. I could not believe that he was placated by my satisfaction or by my works. I did not love, yes, I, I hated the righteousness, the, hated the righteous God who punishes sinners and secretly, if not blasphemously, certainly murmured greatly. I was angry with God and said, as if indeed it is not enough that miserable sinners eternally lost through original sin are crushed by every kind of calamity by the law of the Decalogue without having God add pain to pain by the gospel and also by the gospel threatening us with his righteousness and wrath. Thus I raged with a fierce and troubled conscience. Nevertheless, I beat importunately upon Paul at that place. Meaning he studied the scriptures. He wouldn't let go. He kept crying out to God as he studied. Most ardently desiring to know what St. Paul wanted. And at last, by the mercy of God, meditating day and night, I gave heed to the context of the words, namely, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. As it is written, he who through faith is righteous shall live. And there I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous lives. By a gift of God, namely, by faith. And this is the meaning. The righteousness of God is revealed by the gospel, namely, the passive righteousness with which merciful God justifies us by faith. As it is written, he who through faith is righteous shall live. Here I felt that I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. 
there a totally other face of the entire Scripture showed itself to me. Thereupon I ran through the Scripture from memory, and I also found in other terms an analogy as the work of God, that is what God does in us, the power of God with which He makes us wise, the strength of God, the salvation of God, the glory of God. And I extolled my sweetest word, with a love as great as the hatred with which I had before hated the word righteousness of God. He hated it, and it became sweet. Thus, that place, Romans 1.17, in Paul, was for me truly the gate to paradise. Luther came to see, as we read from the Scriptures, that it is those of faith, Galatians 3, 7 talks about, that are sons of Abraham, or children of God. And that is Romans 3 talks about, that a righteousness from God has revealed, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to all who believe, And Luther learned that the righteousness of God in Romans that once he hated because it offered no hope of remedy, only the promise of sure and certain judgment. In fact, the righteousness of God was the remedy given as a free gift of grace to all who believe. That's what we're going to look about. And look at this morning. How can a sinner, we're going to look at one question essentially, how can a sinner be made right before a perfectly holy God? How can a sinner be made right before a perfectly holy God? That's the question. And the answer is, by faith alone. We've got to understand that perfect righteousness is needed in order for any of us to go to heaven. In order for any of us to stand before a holy God, God requires perfection. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, Matthew 5 says. So perfect righteousness is needed. The glory of the gospel, brothers and sisters, is that perfect righteousness is provided by God to us as a free gift of grace. Perfect righteousness is credited to us. By faith alone. Sola fide, or faith alone, is, as one Christian writes, a key point of difference between not only Protestants and Catholics, but between biblical Christianity and almost all other religions and teachings. The teaching that we are declared righteous by God, justified, on the basis of our faith alone and not by works, is a key doctrine of the Bible. And a line that divides most cults from biblical Christianity. While most religions and cults teach men that the works they must do to be saved, the Bible teaches that we are not saved by works, but by God's grace through His gift of faith. Biblical Christianity is distinct from every other religion, and hear this, 
Biblical Christianity is distinct from every other religion in that it is centered on what God has accomplished through Christ's finished work. While all other religions are based on human achievement, if we abandon the doctrine of justification by faith alone, we abandon the only way of salvation. And brothers and sisters, this is no minor error when somebody moves away from the gospel of grace and the doctrine of by faith alone, in Christ alone. It's no minor error, but when someone seeks to be right with God through their own works, what we need to understand is that they can never summit that mountain. Because God demands perfect righteousness in order to stand before Him and be right with Him. Only perfection suffices. He's a holy God. And so God says in His Word in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. So there is no way that the good that we do now could ever make up for the bad that we've done. The good that we do now, if it was possible for us to live sinlessly and perfectly righteous from now until the end when we die, we could never stand before the Lord perfectly pure and righteous on our own. I used to work in a microbiology lab and did an internship in college working with my microbiology professor and one of the signs he had on the door, I used to take delight in because it was such a principle that you can't forget. And he just, the principle was this. If you have a container of 99% sewage and 1% pure wine, you have sewage. And this is the second part really gets you. If you have a container that is 99.9% pure wine and 0.1% sewage, you have sewage. Perfect purity is needed in order to have pure wine. And bacteria, even in microscopic amounts, will taint a whole barrel of otherwise good wine. And that's how it is with us. The pure wine of good works that we strive to do now, even if it was perfectly pure from here on out, would not change our standing before God from guilty to righteous. It's impossible. That's why anyone who relies on the works of the law to be justified is under a curse. Because it's impossible to do it. We are born with original sin, as Luther talked about in his conversion story. And on top of that, we are sinners by choice. Many times over, aren't we, brothers and sisters? But the good news is that though all of us have fallen short, there's a verse 24 in Romans 3. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, 23 and 24 says, and are justified by His grace as a gift 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation or a wrath-exhausting, wrath-absorbing sacrifice by His blood, and all of this is to be received by faith, verse 25 says. So the good news of the gospel is we can receive by faith, brothers and sisters, marvel at this. We get so used to hearing it that it can just kind of flow right in our ears and out. We can receive by faith alone a righteousness from God that justifies us. But throughout the history of the church, there have been those who say it's not enough to believe in Christ's finished work on the cross. You must also add to that work your own works in order to be saved. Paul talks about this in Romans 10 when he's talking about the Jewish people that he loves. He says, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own. Ah, there's the heart of the matter. Seeking to establish our own. Paul says they did not submit to God's righteousness. There's a good apt description of saving faith. Giving up on seeking to establish our own righteousness and rather instead getting on our knees and submitting to God's righteousness that He will grant to us as a free gift upon believing in Him. Have you done that? Have you given up seeking to establish your own righteousness? And have you submitted to God's righteousness that can only be received through faith alone? You can either seek to establish your own righteousness by works or submit to God's righteousness and receive it by faith alone. There's only one of two options. And all the way down through the Bible from the very beginning with even the story of Cain and Abel, it's, it's really a story of whether or not you'll receive it by faith or you're going to try to accomplish it by works. And it's just people divide into those two categories and that's it. Galatians 3.10 in the verse we looked at in the beginning, all those who rely on works of the law are under a curse. And the reason is, is because you've got to do it all perfectly in order to have the law justify you. If it was possible for us to fulfill the law perfectly, we would be justified by our works. But because we are sinners, it's impossible now for any of us on our own to stand before a holy God on the day of judgment unless God credits a free gift to us. And guess what He did? He did just that. I'm blown away by this. And, and like Luther, let us, church, never grow over-familiar with this truth. Let us never, like Ethan said, grow over-familiar with our Bibles. These things are precious gifts to us. And the fact that we have an understanding and now have a declared righteousness credited to us by faith alone and the peace and the hope and the comfort that that gives to us. Brothers and sisters, let it be that we, like Luther, say that the gates of paradise... Open up to me every day. Because I look and see that I've been justified. By faith alone. In Christ alone. So we need to believe. 
We need to have faith in order to be saved. It's of eternal importance. Since the Bible is clear that eternity in either heaven or hell hinges on whether or not we will receive the credited righteousness of God that Christ earned by faith or whether or not we'll seek to establish a righteousness of our own. It's amazing. And I'm sure you've seen this as well in your own life. I mean, how many people do you talk to? And I love the evangelistic two-question test where you ask people the question of how are they going to be able to stand before a holy God on Judgment Day. And it's amazing the answer the majority of people say that I did good enough and I tried hard and I did my best. Well, guess what? It's not good enough. Only perfection will go into heaven. So that wipes us all out. And Paul talking about the importance of understanding the gospel of grace by faith alone, in Christ alone, actually says in Galatians 1, 8 and 9, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say it again, Paul says, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you've received, the true gospel, let him be accursed. So this is serious business. Council of Trent, the Catholic Council, which responded to the Protestant Reformation and the doctrine that we are justified by faith alone, in Christ alone, responded by saying that anyone who believes in justification of the impious by faith alone let him be anathema. That was the response of the Roman Catholic Church to the Protestant Reformation. This is really serious stuff. Will you seek to live your life seeking to achieve a righteousness of your own or will you submit to God's free gift of righteousness and receive it by faith alone? Because, brothers and sisters, the gates of paradise swing open if you'll receive God's gift of righteousness by faith alone. And likewise, the gates of hell swing open to those who reject God's free gift in Christ and seek to establish a righteousness of their own through their works. It's not like just this minor thing that somebody's like, oh, no, I believe in works righteousness for salvation. That's a belief that rejects Christ. And Paul says in Galatians 1 is anathema, or that individual will be accursed. Galatians 3.10 in the passage that we read starting out said that anyone, oh brothers and sisters, anyone who relies on the works of the law is under a curse. It's serious stuff. And we need to come to terms with that. How can a sinner be made right before a perfectly holy God? By faith alone. By faith 
alone and not by works. By faith alone, we're united to Jesus Christ. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 10 verse 6 says, and in relying on our works, we embrace really another gospel and we're cut off from Christ. Brothers and sisters, may each of us lay hold of the righteousness of God, the free gift of the righteousness of God by faith alone afresh this morning. Because faith alone justifies. Faith alone saves. And it's important to note as James talks about this, he talks about can such faith save? Meaning faith without works. It's important to note this. That saving faith is not a bare faith. As James 2 talks about, you say you believe God, well even the demons believe that and shudder. There is a demonic faith that says, yeah, God exists, but does not submit to God. So saving faith is not a bare faith, but it's a dynamic, vibrant, living faith. Not static, but alive. That turns from sin and repentance and turns to Christ in faith and lays hold of Christ. It's not dead faith without works flowing out from it. But it's a living faith evidenced by good works for all the world to see. Now those good works are never the grounds of our justification, but good works evidence the reality that we have true saving faith. So brothers and sisters, let us note that true saving faith is a very substantial thing. It's not a light thing. And let us also note that what makes faith salvific is not faith itself, but the object of our faith, Christ alone. John's going to be preaching on Christ alone in a couple of weeks, and I'm looking forward to that. The language that the Reformers use to talk about faith is that faith is the instrument we are justified by. Listen to this quote by R.C. Sproul carefully. Our faith itself is a gift from God. Amen. Faith is a gift. Ephesians 2 verse 8. We are responsible to exercise it, but the only reason we have it at all is because of God's sovereign work of regeneration. Even our faith is something that we do not deserve. Justification is not a reward for the goodness of our faith. Rather, faith is the instrumental cause of our justification. Faith is the sole instrument by which we lay hold of the righteousness of Christ. I'm going to repeat that. Faith is the sole instrument by which we lay hold of the righteousness of Christ. And take note of that language, that lay hold of. And you see that also in the scriptures, that the language in relation to faith throughout the gospels and throughout the epistles is very much an active language. Uh, Jesus talks about, come to me, arise and come and Go. It's not sort of a, a, a passive, static thing. It's very alive. And it, this language here of lay hold of shows that 
Faith is the sole instrument by which we lay hold of the righteousness of Christ. We can think of it like a conduit, Sproul says. When we truly believe in Jesus, faith is the means by which our sin is transferred to Jesus and through which his righteousness is imputed or credited to us. During the Reformation, the argument was not over whether faith was necessary for justification. Both Protestants and Roman Catholics agreed and still do agree that faith is required for justification. The debate centered around the instrumental cause of justification. If faith is faith alone the instrument of justification or are works included as well? The instrumental cause of justification is faith alone. Any good that we do plays no part. And Roman Catholics deny this by teaching that at justification, righteousness is infused. There's the language, not imputed or credited. It's infused into our nature and that by our good works, we maintain or lose this righteousness. And therefore, a Roman Catholic can never be truly assured of their salvation, even on their deathbed. But if we are to be true to Scripture, we must maintain that Christ's righteousness is imputed to us by faith alone. And that our right standing before God is the result of His declaration. Not as a result from any righteousness that we possess in ourselves. That's right. We are declared righteous with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's a righteousness outside of us. It's not, as the Catholics believe, an inherent righteousness by which we save ourselves through our good works. No, we are saved by the righteousness, brothers and sisters, of another. We are saved by the righteousness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And hear the good news of this, who actually did perfectly fulfill God's law. He was tempted in every way as we are and yet was without sin. And in doing so, not only was he sinless. Take note of this. This is awesome. Jesus was not only tempted and without sin, but he actually was perfectly righteous in every moment of his life. And in so doing, he has fulfilled all righteousness. And here's the grace and glory of the gospel God has chosen to credit the perfect righteousness that Christ earned in his sinless and perfectly righteous life to sinners like us through imputation and to receive it by faith alone. Saving faith, according to the reformers, reformers could be seen in really, it's, it's one of three things that need to be happening in order for you to truly believe. First, you need to know the truth. You have to have knowledge of it. A lot of people have knowledge of the truth but don't believe. Secondly, they need to have knowledge of the content, but they also need to hold the truth with conviction and say, I believe that. So that's been typically called assent. We need to have knowledge and we need to have assent. But one of the important doctrines is that it's not just knowledge and it's not just assent. It's this third part that often holds people up from salvation and it's this. Knowledge and assent 
mere assent is not enough. We need to place personal trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord. And we need to personally rely upon the righteousness of God in order to stand before the Lord on the day of judgment. So brothers and sisters, do you have that personal trust in Jesus Christ? Are you personally relying upon the gospel truth, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross? Because when someone believes in Christ in that way, God declares them perfectly righteous in Christ. They are instantly justified. Now, this is what's awesome. You've got to understand this, is that we are on the final day of judgment going to be justified as well. There's a future justification that's going to take place where God before everyone pronounces us before the whole world. This one is not guilty and declared righteous in Christ. There's a future justification. But the good news of the justification that we've received by faith in Christ alone is that the verdict of the future has been brought into the present. We have been justified by faith alone. And justification is a present reality. So so much so that right now all of us who are believers in Christ can have the confidence that if we were to walk out of this room and to die today, we can know for sure, right now, that we will be able to stand before the Holy One of Israel. Not because of our own righteousness, but because the righteousness of another, Jesus Christ His Son, has been credited to us by faith alone. And that alone is the grounds by which we stand before a holy God, brothers and sisters. And so this doctrine is vital for your peace in your heart. This doctrine is vital for your own personal assurance of salvation. And that's one of the things I'm very pastorally burdened about in this message today, isn't that we would just learn more knowledge. My burden is is that by understanding that God has determined to declare, declare guilty sinners righteous in His sight. It's meant to give you comfort in your soul right now. That as each one of us still struggle every day with our remaining indwelling sin, And man, is that a dogged battle. It is a fight of faith, as Paul says, at the end of his race. As you are fighting to kill your sin, and as you are fighting to overcome the weaknesses of your flesh, you can have the assurance as you fight of knowing that Christ has already won the victory for you. And it's meant to inject a hope and a peace in your heart like we read this morning in the pastoral welcome from Romans 5.1. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. This doctrine is meant to cause our lives to overflow with a peace and a joy in our hearts. You know why it ministers peace? It's because 
perfect righteousness has been credited to us. So you never have to fear, listen to this carefully, you never have to fear, brothers and sisters, that your imperfections will overrule God's legal declaration over your life, not guilty, declared righteous in my sight, because He has determined to do so by His grace. How good is our God to give us such a gift? This is how we know that nothing is ever going to separate us from the love of God in Christ. Because when God begins a work, He finishes it. And when God declares us righteous in Christ, we are justified just as much right now as we will be on the day of judgment. The naked and filthy sinners that we are have been given perfect garments of salvation so that we are now right before God and can stand before Him on the day of judgment blameless, as Jude says, with great joy. And not only is that going to happen in the future, that we're going to stand before Him blameless with great joy, but the future verdict, brothers and sisters, has been brought into the present so that you no longer have to fear You don't have to fear that a lightning bolt is going to strike you in judgment because the lightning bolt has already struck Christ on the cross. He bore all of your sin. He bore all of the wrath against your sin. He satisfied the justice of God against your sin. And God has not only done all of that, but He has also determined, I'm also going to declare these guilty sinners righteous in my sight, so that they can stand before me and know my love and know right now that they're ready to come home because they're going to stand before me then as they stand before me now. We come with your righteousness on our humble offering to bring The judgments of your holy law with me can have nothing to do. My Savior's obedience and blood hide all my transgressions from view. Do you believe it, church? Do you believe it? Faith alone secures forever. Not just your justification by faith but also your union with Christ by faith. And listen to this. I don't have a long time to be able to elaborate on this today. But when you believe, not only are you justified and declared righteous, you're also united to Christ by faith alone. And by faith alone, when we're united together with Christ, God's Word says we are one with Him. This is all symbolized at your baptism. When we go under the water, we are united together with Christ in His death, and in his burial, and then when we come back out and the water's flowing off of us and we're born again, that symbolizes that we are united together with him in his resurrection as well. And his resurrection is a key doctrine. In Romans 4.25, we know that he was delivered over to death for our sins, but he was raised to life for our justification. So when you think of the resurrection, 
It's God's exclamation point over your life. I have declared you righteous. He's alive. You are declared righteous and nothing can undo or overturn that. And, and more than that, you have been united to Christ by faith. You've got to understand this. You've been engrafted into perfection. So that even though right now there are so many areas where we all fall short, having been united to Christ by faith, we are a new creation. And the old is God. And behold, the new has come. Upon believing, we have been born again. And indeed, as Luther felt, we can feel that upon believing, we have entered paradise itself through open gates. Listen to this story. I hope it illustrates for you the nature of true saving faith. And and then we'll close. Can you imagine a tightrope stretched over a quarter of a mile and spanning the breadth of Niagara Falls? The thundering sound of the pounding water drowning out all other sounds as you watch a man step onto the rope and walk across. This stunning feat made Charles Blondin famous in the summer of 1859. You're going to love this. He walked 160 feet above the falls several times back and forth between Canada and the United States as huge crowds on both sides looked on with shock and awe. Once he crossed in a sack, once on stilts, another time on a bicycle, and once he even carried a stove and cooked an omelet. (laughs) He talked about how he cooked an omelet in the middle. He just kind of sat there and like... On July 15th, Blondin walked backward across the tightrope to Canada and returned pushing a wheelbarrow. The Blondin story is told... That it was after pushing a wheelbarrow across while blindfolded that Blondin asked for some audience participation. The crowds had watched and oohed and odd, and he had proven that he could do it. Of that, there was no doubt. But now he was asking for a volunteer to get into the wheelbarrow and take a ride across the falls with him. It is said that he actually asked his audience... Do you believe I can carry a person across in this wheelbarrow? Of course, the crowd shouted, yes, they believed. And it was then that Blunden posed the question, who's going to get in? (laughs) Who will get in the wheelbarrow? And of course, none did. (laughs) Actually, later in August of 1859, his manager, Harry Colcord, did ride on Blunden's back across the falls. There's actually a picture of it. If you look it up in Wikipedia, there's a picture of Harry Colcord hanging on the back of Blunden. And it's a famous picture. It makes sense to not jump in a wheelbarrow with Blunden crossing the Niagara Falls 160 feet up above them. Because to cross over the falls is, is not necessary to live for entertainment, and as good as Blunden was, you know that one error would lead to both of your deaths, and a death that wasn't necessary, 
so we can't blame those who were there. But when it comes to Christ, we all must cross over into eternity after death. And God has provided us one way for us to make it across to heaven safely. Faith alone. Our works and our efforts can never suffice because we have already fallen short and perfect righteousness is required as we looked at. Christ is the only way across the great divide of our sin and God's holiness. Christ perfectly walked the tightrope of fulfilling God's law One sin would have undone it all. One lack of righteousness in him would have undone it, but he never sinned and instead fulfilled the law perfectly. The only way across that tightrope for us is by us, is not by us trusting in ourselves to be able to walk it. Where even the slightest failing damns us to fall into the chasm of hell forever. And the Bible says that as foolish as that is, there are those who will not rely on Christ, but rely on their works, as Galatians 3.10 talks about. Oh, listen carefully, church. The only way to cross is to believe in Christ, to trust in Him, to allow Him to carry us across the great divide, reconciling us to God, satisfying the wrath and justice of God, and achieving for us the righteousness that we need. Don't put your hope of being right before God, unbeliever, in your own righteousness. But today, put your faith in Christ's perfect righteousness that He has already achieved, and you will be saved. Brothers and sisters, you know He did it, and you're convinced that He did it from Scripture. You have knowledge. And you assent to these truths in the Bible. I ask us this. Have you personally trusted? Have you climbed on the back of Jesus to carry you across this great divide? Pray, young people. God have mercy on me, a sinner. I trust in you alone, Jesus, for salvation. And He will save you. He will save you by faith alone. And Christ alone. And for my dear brothers and sisters, my pastoral burden for you, as I mentioned earlier, is assurance of salvation. Listen carefully to this quote that I'm going to read from Thomas Schreiner in his book, Faith Alone. He writes this. Listen carefully. We are all conscious of our ongoing sins and flaws. Such an admission doesn't deny the newness of our lives in Christ. He's speaking of believers here. We do and can live in a way that is pleasing to God now. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. And yet at the same time, we continue to be plagued by sin. Even our best actions are tainted by pride. We aren't entirely free of impatience, anger, bitterness, self-pity, resentment, lust, and so on. Indeed, sometimes these sins manifest themselves in our lives in remarkable ways. Our righteousness, even after we are Christians, can't qualify us to enter the new creation in God's presence. For despite all the changes in us, we are still defiled by sin. How comforting to know, oh, listen to this church, how comforting to know 
that our righteousness doesn't lie ultimately in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ as the crucified and risen one. He is our righteousness, and thus our hope for life isn't anchored to our achievements, but to His grace. Faith doesn't save as if it constitutes our righteousness. It saves because it unites us to Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness and our only hope on the day of judgment. And he closes his book with this. My confidence on the last day will not rest on my transformation. I have too far to go to put any confidence in what I have accomplished. Can any of you relate? I know I can. And he says this, Instead, I rest on Jesus Christ. He is my righteousness. He is the guarantor of my salvation, Hebrews 7.22. I am justified by faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, Schreiner says. And so I close where I began. How can a sinner be made right before a perfectly holy God? By faith alone, Christ community. Let's worship him. Worship team, why don't you return? Let us stand and let's pray. Oh, rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Lord, thank you so much that we are saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, and not by our works. Our works are imperfect even at their best and could never secure salvation for us before your holiness. But Jesus is Ken. And Jesus is dead. Thank you so much, Father, for sending your own Son down, not just to die on the cross for our sins, but actually to achieve a perfect righteousness. And not just to keep for Himself, but Lord, you have chosen to credit your Son's perfect righteousness to sinners like us who deserve your wrath. Oh, glorious, glorious good news. Oh, great and glorious and good God. We thank you so much for being such an awesome God who declares guilty sinners righteous by faith alone. And we sing of this. And it's our delight to do so because we would have no hope for salvation apart from him. But because of Christ We know we are going to stand before the Lord on the final day of judgment. And we know right now that we stand before him now. Because though we still fall short in many ways, you have declared us righteous. And we thank you for the assurance that that brings. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us sing. While we were worshiping, I sensed from the Holy Spirit that the Lord desired for us to pray for those who assurance of salvation can just elude you.
And I believe the Lord, by the power of His Spirit, wants to assure some this morning. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And God delights to give us assurance that we are His children. And it's those of faith who are sons and daughters of Abraham. It's those of faith that are the children of God. Those who have placed reliance upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And upon Him alone. You are saved. You are justified. You're declared righteous in Christ. And nothing is ever going to undo that fact or separate you from God's love. But it just eludes you. We'd like to pray for you. And so I'm going to conclude the service in just a moment. I'd like to ask for any of you, just feel like I just would like prayer that I would be more assured that I am indeed a child of God. I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and just to fill you with that assurance. And God is good. He delights to do these things. And so I'll be here for prayer. I'd like to invite others to just be on the lookout because I may need others to pray as well. So I want to invite you up for prayer, for fresh assurance of your salvation. Here, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this wonderful church. Thank you so much for your finished work. Thank you so much for the glory of your precious gospel of grace that by faith alone, Guilty sinners are declared righteous in your sight. And we thank you so much that you are such a good and gracious God like that. Lord, I pray for all of us to be assured of our salvation afresh, for those who ask for prayer and for those who just feel it like a faint whisper but don't feel like they need prayer. Bring fresh assurance of salvation into all of our souls this morning and help us to walk with peace and walk with confidence as we walk out of here because you have loved us and have given yourself for us on the cross and nothing is ever going to separate us from your love thank you that we are united to christ through faith and said all that you are christ and all that is yours is ours because you have chosen to unite us together with Christ by faith. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing that. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, have a wonderful week. For those of you who would like prayer, we're going to be here at the front to pray for you. God bless you and have a wonderful week.